0: My,
1: and my best radio voice, done I'm going to say, coming to you from Hom's Cafe here, uh, or at Jennings Cafe, rather, from Catonsville, my name is Ryan Miner. You're listening to a Miner Detail podcast, and we always try to take the show on the road. That's our thing. We took it on the show. We took it on the road this, this session to Annapolis, and today I want to introduce—he um, doesn't need an introduction. <laughs> uh, he doesn't at all, because he is the former the former Baltimore County Executive. His name is Don Moeller, and he is the incomparable (laughs) Don Moeller, who joined me today. You you may want to ask
2: my family about that. (laughs) You did not
1: hear me, so I, I and Don, I. I want to say first, thanks for coming on, and I know you are a busy man, and you have your
2: own Baltimore podcast. Baltimore Positive, yeah, absolutely. I hope you got the minor detail, got Baltimore Positive, all kinds of good podcasts happening out there. I encourage, I I say to folks all the time, Ryan, please go on and and download these podcasts, subscribe to these podcasts. You really get a sense and a feel for the state of Maryland.
1: It's a lot of information we discuss on this show that doesn't necessarily uh, make it onto WBAL like evening news, or onto Fox 5, or whatever, wherever you get your news. We get to sit down in a in a in a great restaurant here in the middle of Hill, just have a conversation, and it's fun and it's entertaining. And I say you're you're exactly right. Um, Subscribe to the podcast. I know that you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Apple, uh, wherever you can get your podcast.
0: That's the catchphrase, right? Wherever you get your wherever, podcast. Wherever you <laughs> you we
2: Positive. do Bal- Positive dot com. Had some, we've had some great guests recently. We had uh, Congressman Rupersberger. We had I know someone someone you're familiar with, Malia Cromer, yeah. the uh, guru of public opinion research here in the state of Maryland from Goucher College. Uh, we, we just did, we visited Hopkins University the other day and did a, an extensive sit down with Senator Barbara Mikulski. She was absolutely amazing. She Hasn't, still, oh, she
0: still had the same spunk as she did. When when
2: she People say to me, Has she lost a step? I said, If anything, she's picked up a little bit of giddy up. Yeah. She's still a young lady,
1: yet yeah. I think.
2: 80, 82 i think but wow. i mean run circles around the rest of us and then today we uh, we interviewed uh, damien o'darty from ko public affairs really trying to get a national perspective on cities so i think you and i both share uh, it's, it's really a love of of government and public policy and trying to make a difference
1: More as I can here in the, in the county. There's a lot of issues that are taking place right now, and you know them best. So, but, you know, I want you to first start out and talk about your experience prior to jumping into to government. What was your career, and how did that lead you to where
0: you?
2: That'll be the entire (laughs) That'll be the entire podcast I always say it sounds like a guy Who couldn't keep a job You know, it it is interesting Um, I have this theory, Ryan That Who we become very often is shaped By childhood experiences And as a a young boy I, I lived in a, my mom was a single mom I lived in a little apartment Not far from here And I was very fortunate at eight, nine years old, whatever it was, that I had an uncle. My mother's brother moved into that, those same apartments, literally right around the, the corner. So I'd walk out my front door, walk over to his apartment. And he was a social studies teacher at Hereford High School. Any of you who had Mr. Scruggs for many, many years out there in North County, that was my uncle. And as a little boy, you know, I, would wa- he was, I would watch him plan lessons. I would watch him grade tests. He was being interested in in politics was just in our DNA I often say all the way back to my grandparents t- table if you were going to go to that table at Sunday dinner you better have an opinion you better be able to defend your opinion and you, you better have a pretty thick skin so it, it seemed to me a logical extension as so I went to college I went to Western Maryland College now um, uh, McDaniel College became a teacher uh, became a socialist I taught in Baltimore County at Lansdowne High School. Some of you know Lansdowne has a little air conditioning issue from time to time, Mister Control. Where that's for you. Uh, um, we, but we mentioned his name because before we, we started, you called
1: me <laughs> to, to talk about an issue in Montgomery County, and that's that's funny, Doug. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No. No. So Lansdowne's gotten quite a bit. I I I always say I love my love my Vikings. It's where I really cut my teeth as a social studies teacher, an American government teacher, and then followed what I always describe as a pretty traditional path in education and never expected to do anything else. Um, we've got cars going up and down the street out here on Frederick Road in Catonsville. Beautiful day. but um, So, you know, I became, uh, I became a department head. I became from a teacher. I, I became a guidance counselor and then a department chair. Then I became an assistant principal. I was principal at Sparrows Point Middle School and principal at Catonsville High School. I call that one of the dream jobs of a lifetime. I I literally could walk across the street uh, to my office. I was principal in the community where I grew up. It was just a terrific few years. And then out of the blue, truly out of the blue, former superintendent Stuart Berger called me. And it's, it's actually a pretty funny story. He said, y- you're coming out here. Stuart was very controversial. If you don't know, go back, Google Stuart Berger, still a friend of mine. Oh, my goodness. Stuart would have called me in uh, 95. I was principal at Catonsville from 92 to 95. So he calls me that spring and he says, you got to tell your faculty you're not going to be there next year. You're coming out here. You're going to be the assistant superintendent for a Baltimore, Baltimore County Public Schools for communications and and community outreach. And I said, wow, I really like this job, Stuart. I love. I'm in a community. I'm pretty comfortable here. I've never aspired to be a central office guy. Well, I really need you out here. So the funny, the the, the funny. Now that I look back, not so funny then. So so I end up out there. I leave my beautiful little High and Drive to Towson every day. And by that time, Stewart was in the papers each and every day. I mean, it was front page stuff. It was. He was a change agent, and we had not had a change agent in Baltimore County. And he was literally turning the school system upside down. Now, the interesting part, I, I would tell you for the good, some of his enemies would t- still tell you for the worse, but I, I point out that many of his, we've had been really fortunate, uh, in Baltimore County, with superintendents, we had we had the longest-serving superintendent in the state, and Bob Dubell. Bob Dubell, <coughs> oh my goodness! I mean, he's you know still that's going crazy. strong at ninety-four, and just wow. a wonderful human being. So, and then you know Tony Marcioni. So we've had really quality folks. Current superintendent, I'm very that fond cool. of. I mean, what happened? Yeah, Dad. Listen. Guilty as charged. I am guilty as charged. I was. I was a no. I was a Dallas fan. Uh, I bought everything Dallas was selling, and like everyone else, you could have just knocked me over uh, with a feather. I. I was stunned when I saw what Dallas had done. I was disappointed. Uh, it was a really bad bad. Day. I'll tell you a political st- story. We, we, we're going to be all over the place, okay. but here's a political story related to to Dallas dance, and I know you like these, so. When Dallas got in 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 the trouble that he did, to show you the impact of behavior like that and how seriously people take schools, there were a number of political polls being done by folks who wanted to run for county executive, and as well as those who wanted to run for governor. There were there were, it was interesting. Prior to Dallas Dance becoming front page news for his indiscretions, the right direction number. Excuse me, in almost every poll that I had seen in Baltimore County was in the low 60s, a very strong right direction number, you know, 61, 62, 63. Roughly a month later, that number had dipped down into the low 50s. It had affected the right direction number by almost 10 percentage points. That's almost impossible to do. I was talking to Malia about that in a short period of time. So it shows you that impact. Um, so it was it was it was amazing when you talk about the Baltimore County Public Schools. So you jump back to Stewart, and I'll try to fast-forward my career for you. So I get out there, and Stewart says, Okay, the board is getting ready to fire me, and here's your main job. You have to keep me from getting fired. They like you. You keep me from getting fired. And I can remember laughing, thinking. It was, I said, Stewart, I think you've done a lot of good things. You asked me. Uh, all all-day kindergarten, uh, breakfast programs, magnet schools. Stewart has pretty strong legacy, diversifying, gifted, and talented, way ahead of his time, way ahead of his time on a lot of these issues. But it was controversial at that time in Baltimore County.
1: controversial because the county didn't want the bill or the actual
2: policies. Yeah, the actual policies. Uh, it was at the same time you're way too young, but at the same time you had this dilemma going on about gifted and talented school programs and whether they should be more diversified, meaning more people of color entering them, at the same time you had this nationwide issue that special education students were far too segregated, and Baltimore County had both of those populations. Stewart decided to take them on at the same time, and I can remember saying to him, Stewart, you might be able to get this change you're looking at with one of these groups because they had huge lobbies. But if you're going to take on gifted and talented moms and dads and special education moms and dads at the same time, it might be a bridge too far. Sure enough, it was. He says to me, your job is to make sure I don't get fired. I laugh and I say, Stuart, I think you're doing great things. I'm supportive of what you're doing. I'm not sure the Lord himself could keep you from getting fired. And sure enough, a couple weeks later, He's fired, I've lost my school, and I'm sitting in the central office with a board that's pretty contentious at that time. Now, it's a real credit to the gentleman who took his place, Tony Marcioni, who's also a friend of mine, because I'm sure, matter of fact, I know, should, should, let's be more direct, that several of the board members who had moved to, to fire Stuart Berger at the time said, look, Moore's his right-hand guy, get him out of here. And Tony said to them, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don is a Baltimore County Public School guy. He was loyal to the superintendent. So in the same way that he's loyal to Stewart, he's going to be loyal to me. And that's what I need. And they they listened. And and luckily, I was able to go on and continue a 30-year career in the Baltimore County Public Schools. Ended up actually being an area superintendent, which means that you run an entire area of the school system. You know, 25,000 or so students, roughly 35 or so schools. About 112,000. 25th largest in the nation.
1: And, and that's the is it third largest in the state?
2: Third, uh, third largest in the state, okay. correct, Behind correct. Is in Montgomery. Montgomery, correct, correct.
1: correct. And, uh, yeah, we have, look, we've had in Montgomery County our fair of issues And... School issues are controversial. Oh, because it is it, that is where parents, activated parents, I have never seen anything like. it. Everyone has an opinion, and you should. Right, you should have an opinion. Nothing more important than your children. And Our kids went to public schools. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure your kids. Went they did. To public so we we go and show up, and we, my wife, and she is she's not afraid to make her opinion known. And now it's funding for clusters, it's transportation issues, you name it. You have experienced that, so tell me how did you make a leap in baltimore
2: county government from the school system so that is that's that's the that is the question and and my wife if she's listening to this she's just shaking she's shaking her head here's how that happened so i'm out after 30 years in the school system i have some opportunities to go out work in the private sector working as a consultant for some different companies and a little bit of money (laughs) and then um I uh, get a call. People assumed that Jim Smith and I knew each other because we came very close. We're very close to this day. They assumed we were good friends for years. We really did not know each other in 2003.
0: And for the young
1: listeners, right. it's okay. <clears throat> not know
2: the name Jim Smith. Jim Smith is the former Baltimore County executive. former Baltimore County executive, former Maryland State uh, uh, Cabinet Secretary of Transportation, former Circuit Court Judge. I um, mean, a, a historic career. And just a wonderful person. But we did not know one another very well at all. And I got a call. I had mentioned before former school superintendent Marcioni, Dr. Marcioni, had actually moved over to the county side to become the county administrative officer for County Executive Smith. And for those who say, what's a county administrative officer? If you're in a city, it's like the deputy mayor. So he was running the day-to-day operations. And in 2003... Uh, Mr. Smith was looking to make some changes to his team, particularly in the area of communication. So I got this call, and it said, Don, we would like you to come over. County executive would like to talk to you about going back to work full time, being his communications director. Well, I had gotten used to not working regular hours or 70 or 80 hours a week, which I knew those jobs entailed. I talked about it with my wife. And when you're, I've been a school principal for a long time, an area superintendent. She, she ate a lot of dinners by herself, and I said to her, you know, county executive would like to talk to me, and she was real honest, and she said, I really would rather you not do that. I like, I like the schedule you have now, and uh, I would prefer you keep doing it. And I said, well, okay, I that's fair. You, you've made a lot of sacrifices. So the next morning, she was a French teacher uh, at Catonsville High School, and I was getting ready to go to go out for the interview where I was going to tell them that I wasn't going to take the job. This is in 2003. And I hear the door open. I, heard, you know, Go out to the car. And then I heard her come back in. And she walked back in. And she said, don't be ridiculous. Take the job. If you don't take the job, you're going to be irritated at yourself. And then you're going to be mad at me. Take the job. And she always left. She goes, little did I know that I was talking about 16 years. So, Literally, it really was um, an accident. I go out, I talk to Jim, we hit it off right right from Jump Street. We just hit it off immediately, became good friends. And then uh, going all the way up to my relationship with Kevin Kamenis because Kevin was on the council. Kevin was a strong personality, as everyone knows. Uh, he and Jim did not always see eye to eye. They had respect for one another. They were able to get things done but they did not always see eye to eye. But I knew Kevin, and I knew Kevin from my school experience as a councilman because I'd have to deal with them on budgets and other things. So Kevin and I had a relationship, and then part of my role for Jim Smith was to be his liaison to county council members. And that was, that was a job that I really did enjoy because, again, I, I had respect for the council members. We had known one another.
0: How did you get this though than for your wife? I mean, well, how did you sell this deal?
2: She actually sold it, and it's, as I said, it's a credit to her. And, and so I said, she walked back in the house and said, don't be ridiculous. Take the job. We're used to this lifestyle anyway. Just We're used to you working 50, 60, 70 hours a day. I think looking back, when I, when I look, Ryan, and I, and I always say it's funny. You mentioned you have children. or When I give any young people or students advice, I said, boy, don't ever think of a career. Look at yourself. Don't ever think of a career as a straight line it, it is not linear and if you had ever told me if, if you'd have told me 14 or 15 months ago well you're going to end your career as baltimore county executive i would have thought what are you what are you talking about because my friend kevin cabinets was still alive running hard for governor um it just it just wouldn't have computed and if i, I probably would tell you that i thought i would be with jim smith Two or three years, just to help them get things settled out there, and I look back and think sixteen years—that's unbelievable.
1: So when Kevin got elected in two thousand and ten to from the council to the executive seat, is that when you joined him as his chief staff?
2: Yes, and that—that's an—that's a vintage. I always say it's a vintage Kevin Kamenetz story. They always make me smile. So it's it's about the uh, the primary election has taken place. Uh, Kevin's won that. And then he wins the general election. So in Baltimore County, like in many places, you only have one month. I mean, if, if you talk to Johnny O, it's an amazing whirlwind. I mean, it's one month, and all of a sudden you're the executive. And you're, you're putting together a government. You're, you're, you're putting together a staff. So Kevin and I one day were having a sandwich It's probably two weeks before he takes office. And nobody had said anything. He hadn't said anything to me. And he goes, you're staying, right? And I laughed out loud. I said, last time I checked, I don't think that's my call. I think whether or not I'm staying is your is up to you. And he said, well, I want you to stay as, as the chief of staff. And I said, well, I, and, and I'll tell you what I told him, though, because I think it's important, and, and Kevin appreciated it. Here's one of the things I think I've learned, Ryan, over the years, is that if you're going to be a key confidant to any leader, You've got to have the confidence of that leader, and you have to be willing and able to tell that leader the truth. I think, I think Chris Matthews in one of his books talks about who's in the room. He always says that if you, if you want to find out who's helping make decisions, you've got to find out who's in the room when the decisions are being made. And you can't be someone who's in the room and then find out there's a meeting after the meeting. It doesn't mean they always have to take your opinion, but you've got to have the guts to tell the leader what you think when they're right, when they're wrong, and then you have to you have to be assured that they value that. So what Kevin and I agreed to, what I I remember it vividly. I said to him that day, I said, look, I, I'd be honored. i will be. You, where were you having the dinner? I, I one of the places in Towson exactly. may, may have been this may have been a Charles he, Village he had pub.
1: Just and you were down and you were talking about what's next Yeah. He's, and set, set the scene. What was
0: that
2: Yeah, about? he says, we're, we're just talking. As Kev, you know, Kevin loved the Orioles. He loved the, he loved the Ravens. Uh, that time of the year, we, we probably don't remember. We are probably talking about the Ravens, probably the re- recent uh, Ravens. Game. He hated college sports, really funny. Hated college sports, but he loved his O's and he loved his Ravens. So we were probably talking about that. And I was, we were probably talking about other things that he needed to do and I'll tell you a neat Jim Smith story as well about the transition, but things that Kevin needed to do. And that was just in very Kevin, if you know, Kevin, he he's, he would, he often thinks he would just go from this to this, to this. That's the way his mind worked. He, he was a million things. And that's when he said, would you stay? And I said, I, I would, I said, but let's do this. I said, are you comfortable with this? I said, And I told him my theory about being in the room and that he needed to be comfortable with me being brutally honest with him and, and our battles are legendary. People will laugh about, you know, Kevin Kamenetz and, and myself and the spirited, shall we say, back and forths that we would have. But I said, let's let's commit both of us for six months, and then after six months, let, let's decide if you're comfortable with me and if I'm comfortable with you, and then we'll go. F-. And then we became really, really good friends. Um, I want
1: to fast forward and then rewind. Mm-hmm. I want to take you day that I know is indelible in your memory. May 10, oh. 2018. Kevin was in the, really in the middle, closing to the end of a gubernatorial campaign. He was the president of MAKO, um, or, right, he was the Well, he had resigned. Uh, he had just been here. Right, yeah, yeah. He yes. was the president, right. and he was coming off of his thing, in terms Correct. of uh, being the Baltimore County executive. He had a lot of money on him in the polls he was, he was in that top tier right? it was no doubt Richard and then Ben those of
2: us on team Caminets believe to this day he would have won
1: i think there's an argument to be right. made that right. had he had he lived to see the primary, then it could have been a much different outcome but that morning day the day before he was at an event, he was at a forum the night prior, mm-hmm. May the 9th, and it was a. I it was a Wednesday, because Kevin passed on a Thursday morning. I, I'm an early riser, I got up, my wife got me out of bed at 6 o'clock in the morning, handed me the phone and said, my God, you're not going to believe this, and I looked at the news and it was streaming and it said, Kevin 10 died. What? Sure.
2: It, you captured it, Ryan. When you say I, I will never forget it. I, don't, my wife will never forget it because we experienced it together. The, how, how old are your children? One is fifteen, and another one is twelve. Okay, yeah, mine are grown. grown. So, and I have grandchildren. So, the phone rings at two in the morning. And my immediate thought is, you're almost terrified, as you know, as as a mom, as a dad. And I'm thinking, as I'm walking to the phone, it probably took me one and a half seconds, probably felt like 15 minutes. And I'm thinking, Did you
0: have a lump or something? yeah,
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I thought, Well, believe it or not, it's one of the probably, it was probably within a month I got rid of that landline, not because of that call. But we had been talking about it. So it was one of the, probably the last calls. I mean, there's so many weird parts to this story. It's probably one of the last calls I ever got on a la- on a landline. So I'm thinking, it's one of my kids. Something's happened to one of my grandchildren. So you pick it up, and it's the deputy fire chief. The fire chief was out of town. What was his name? Paul, Lurs. Paul, Lurs. Paul Lurs, Lurz. Paul Lurz, L-U-R-Z. And Paul says, in, in, in extremely serious tone, he goes, Don, it's probably 10 of 2 in the morning. He goes... I hate to call you. I hate to get you up. Uh, I've got bad news. County executive is in cardiac arrest. It doesn't look good. I think you need to get to St. Joseph's Hospital right away. That was literally the extent of of the conversation. I did say to him, I do remember, because at that point you are a blur, and I said, Paul, tell me again, cardiac arrest. We all know what cardiac arrest is, but I remember saying to him, Tell me what you mean when you say the county executive is in cardiac arrest and it doesn't look good he said Don, the county executive's not breathing I said okay, so I hung up don't even remember getting dressed f- rushed to st joseph's Hospital, which is in towson which Did you put on a suit? no I put now i put i, I, I grabbed a I, I grabbed a pair of khakis, a golf shirt and a and a, and a pullover
1: that was a nice, I, mean, I remember that that time. The same time. Yeah, yeah. Today is
0: what,
1: May yeah, it was a
2: week ago. Yep. Same same kind of day. So jump so, in, the car, jump in the, the car. I probably made it. Those folks who know, listen to you, know this area. On a good day without traffic, you can make it from Catonsville to Towson in twenty to twenty-five minutes. Normally, it might take thirty to forty. I probably made it in fifteen. Two in the morning. There's nobody on the road. Right. And so as when I you were driving. That, that part I have to tell you is, is a blur. I, I've been asked that before, and I don't know, she did not. I, she asked me if, if, if I wanted her to, and I said, no, just just stay there and." I did not. The phone calls come later. We'll, we'll talk about okay. that because it's a critical component to what happened. So as I' pull in the parking lot to the emergency room, I, I, I know right away it's not good because not only is the assistant chief standing out there, but several other folks. He meets me at the car, and he says um, two words. He goes, he's gone. Don, I need to let you know he's gone. And at that moment, what happened? numb, numb. You don't, I, I can't, again, I can't, it's hard to recall the exact emotion, but I just know at that moment your mind begins to think, Okay, uh, and I said to him, I remember saying, it, is, is, is Jill in there? And and he said, yeah, Jill's in there with, with Kevin's brother. And um, I said, okay, okay, so I said, let's go in. and So I go in, and what happens in there is personal, and I, and I don't want to share it. But Jill, you, you can imagine what Jill was thinking. She's got her boys home in bed who were expecting their dad to wake them up tomorrow morning because that was the routine as people know by now kevin never missed taking his boys to school so she's got to gather herself and with the with kevin's brother go back to the house wake the boys up and share this horrific news and then at that point what what really happens ryan is you you go on autopilot you say okay what do we right? You begin to make this to do list. So immediately, I called uh, Elise Armacost, who was invaluable. She was the uh, uh, communications director for public safety at that time. I said, Elise, this is three o'clock in the morning. I said, Elise, would and you meet me? Up. Would yeah, oh, yeah. She picked up.
1: And she
2: had no idea what was. That well, um, <clears throat> she had. She had been alerted by uh, by her folks by by fire. And I said, Would you meet me in my office? um let's let's begin to work through this went back to my office which is pretty you know pretty much around the corner from St. Joe's in Towson and then you um I I've used this little device throughout my career in terms of communication and that is I always tell folks and I mean physically make a list and I had that list who cares who cares? Meaning regardless of what you're trying to communicate, who cares about what you're trying to communicate? And Elise helped me compile that list. And you, you can figure that list out pretty quickly. It's, it's, it's staff. It's elected officials. Um, it's, it's some key um, uh, community leaders. I mean, who, who cares? Who do, we, who do we not want to wake up in the morning? And as you hear on the radio that County Executive Cabinets has passed. And then we begin to divide those names up. We start with staff, and we say, okay, will you call this person? You know, we each, we each took several names, and we, and we made those calls. And that part still is also surreal because, as you said, this was one of the most vibrant. You talk about the county executive being at a forum the night before, it was either, I've actually tried to go back and look at the calendar, it was either that same day that he did the forum or the day before, the The county executive, and, and I was with him all day, spent 14 or so hours fini- filming all of his campaign commercials that, that were just released by the uh, RSH campaigns who, who did them. As a tribute to Kevin, they, they, fin- they did complete the, the commercials. So he had spent 14 hours on that, as you said, a forum every night, I've told people, when you see up close and personal, someone running for an office like the governor of the state of Maryland, you'll ask yourself, why does anyone want to do this? I mean, it literally is from the time you wake up in the morning until you fall in bed at 11 or 11.30 at night. Did you, did you at that time, did you call the governor's office? Were you responsible for making that
1: call?
2: Yes, yes.
1: And I know that... Let me, let,
2: me, let me clarify that. I want you to come back to that. Let me clarify that because I don't want to mislead people. That goes back to who cares. What I did was ask uh, our director of government relations to call the st- key state officials. As I kept working on the staff, so I was able to direct one of my staff to make those contacts. Yes. What was With the, the congressionals and the governor. Of all the calls that you made, what was
1: the, what was the well.
2: Yeah, staff members. Yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah, those were those were the toughest. It, it,
1: it, it, that, I think we were all in shock, and we just couldn't believe it. I, I just tell, I, I told my wife over. I said, I can't believe this is what is happening. We all woke up to the news you know, around five thirty, six o'clock that morning, and I assume that your communications director then began to alert the media.
2: Well, that that's an interesting story, Ryan. How that plays out as well. Here, here was the plan, and the plan doesn't go as planned. It never does, right? So we're saying, okay, let's treat this. Let's have a press conference at the public safety building at 10 a.m. We'll have the folks from the hospital there. They can talk about the medical issues. We'll address Baltimore County transition issues, the things that that people would expect to hear. Well, I want to say... By quarter to five, by quarter to five, all of a sudden I'm getting text messages. I remember one, very specifically, was from uh, Dan Rodericks, and Dan and Kevin had developed a really nice relationship. Dan's they love. The the correct, long time Baltimore, long-time Baltimore son.
1: Guy everybody knows Dan
2: and he he loved to, he loved to ask tough questions and go back and forth with Kevin, and Kevin loved that part. Of politics he loved oh he loved that sparring back and forth so he and dan and and they were both you know they, they both baltimore through and through so they they had a good relationship and i just got a text from dan that said don please tell me this this is not true please tell me it's not true and then other texts be, began coming in uh the folks from bal and kramer john patty you name it so it was yeah five o'clock so and then five in the morning and then we look out the window and we see all the microwave trucks yeah. are pulling up the W. The no, at at the, at county, the government. county government and at the, uh, the you know, the W B A L radio van. About was, was two a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and
1: that's
2: when soon after you got the call from. Right. Paul. Paul yeah, deputy fire chief.
1: You have this window of time. Hours you're making your own calls. There's not a whole lot of time to plan for a media strategy. I mean, no. here you are thinking one first and foremost about Kevin's wife right. and his two boys. I mean, that, that has to be at the very tip of your mind. What are they going to say? How are they going to react? And how are they going to be able to, to do this? And secondly, is the continuity of Baltimore County right. government? What happens next? And there's a, a contingency plan, of course, is in play. I look at the chart right? You know what happens next, but. Nobody really knows what
2: happens next until they leave No, the no, you don't. And, and so here and, you are, the media,
1: you're, you, talk, you begin to get these Well,
2: factors. and we have to make a decision, Ryan. It, it's do? clear that the 10 a.m. plan is not going to work. And the reason the 10 a.m. plan wouldn't work was we looked at one another, and at this time, two or three other folks had gathered. They Once you get that call at 3 in the morning, you're not going back to sleep either. So you want to be with other people. You want this collective group hug. So now folks are showing up. We're in my office. The microwave trucks are pulling up at 5, 5.30 in the morning. And we say, well, here's the bottom line. We're going to have one chance to tell the Kevin Kamenetz story for folks who wake up this morning. Do we leave it? to man or woman on the street interviews or does one of us have to go out, frame what happened last night and talk about Kevin and what happened next and everyone says, we've got to go out right away. We've got to be the first ones when they go live with their live shots momentarily and then they say, they point and they say, you're it, you know, you go out and I always say you have to find a little bit of humor in really dark moments. Uh, I, I kid, it was, uh, it was uh, Jennifer Franciotti from WBAL-TV and, and folks who know Mike Shue from WJZ. They each had two separate microwave trucks. And when they see, uh, I've known them well, worked with them for 20-some years. They see me walking out of the courthouse to where their trucks are, and they both jump out of their trucks. And as they're coming to me, they're emotional, and we're going live in about thirty seconds because uh, they 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 were clearly moved they were they were moved, they both knew Kevin, they both had interacted with Kevin uh, it's you know you explain to people it's what it's it's what I mean I'll digress it's what makes me so angry in Trumpland, about the attacks on the media and the attacks on the free press, I say to folks all of the time, I've dealt with the media for 25 years. They're like you and me and everyone else. They have a job to do. They got moms and dads and aunts and uncles and sons and daughters. They're just trying to get to the truth. And one of the things that I so respected about Kevin was he got that. And he didn't mind getting mad at them. But he didn't mind. And they didn't mind getting mad at him. And he did not mind when they got mad (laughs) at him. And he would would then want to follow up and have his say. But he knew at its core that a free press was important to what we are as a nation. So to, to see Mike or Jennifer react the way they did... Wasn't surprising, but I can remember joking with him, and I needed to smile at that moment. I said, "This is really helpful, guys. We're going on live in about thirty seconds. I'm trying to keep it together, and here you guys are getting emotional. It's, 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 it's not, yeah." And we all sort of giggled, and and we went on, and we were able to get through those interviews and and through that day of interviews. And
1: in the morning and afternoon the rest, did you stay? Did, at any time did you go home and grab a shower?
2: No. I probably smelled terrible. <laughs> I didn't shave. Somebody said to me, I have only your close friends will tell you this stuff right here. Man, you didn't look good. I said I said, I would I would think that I didn't. Yeah. You know? Um I don't recall. He may have and I don't want to say that he didn't. There's one there's one element. He certainly did. Let me let me in the in, on behalf of the governor. A few days after that we were together. Uh, And we so many things to talk about. We were together at the uh, funeral of of Amy Caprio, the Baltimore County police officer who was shot, uh, heartbreaking. And the governor pulled me aside at that funeral and let me know uh, how sorry he was and and his family was and how their thoughts and prayers were with Jill and the boys. So the governor was very, very kind at that time.
1: Right. contender. And I remember having a similar conversation shortly after he passed away with Valerie Irvin. And we sat down inside of her little room in Silver Spring. And look, Valerie had a decision. She had five days, and She had no time to make
2: a decision. Talking. Right. She,
1: she made the decision that I think best. And I, I would not want to be in her position either. She had a huge responsibility for running and just passed away. Right. And the wall was clear. Look, you know, you. This is what happened after that. And then she had to go through her own <laughs> battles, and she ultimately picked another running mate and carried out this campaign. Not to term, but rather she, I mean, she dropped out for yeah, a ah. of and endorsed for some reason. Uh. But that,
0: that
1: adds a whole other extra element, Don. And do, did you ever have a conversation with Valerie to say, hey, you need, do what you need to do, or did she seek your blessing in any way? What was that
2: like? Yeah, Valerie, Valerie and I developed... A very good relationship during the campaign. Um, we had very similar ideas on a number of policy issues. Our personalities clicked, and we got along quite well. Um, we did talk once or twice. I, I don't even recall the nature. I, I do remember one thing I said to her, and she totally understood. I said to her, and I appreciate her understanding. I said, "Val, you got a tough, what you just said, tough decision to make. You need to know, I don't have this campaign in me." Um, I'm I'm cooked. Uh, I uh, I've just lost a friend. I've lost a colleague. Uh, I can't imagine jumping back in personally to this gubernatorial campaign. And she she totally understood, and I I was appreciative of that. Um, you know what what I'm struck by Ryan and and, and people will remember was a couple a couple of lessons. One, Jill Kaminitz. And the way she handled and the way her boys handled this tragedy yeah. was remarkable. But, uh, I'm talking, you were at the, f- well, then. Next
1: to, I walked in and oh, I sat hi. next to, do you remember Chris Fickner, Roush, who ran up Sure, very well. very well. I sat next to Maria, because I've been calling.
2: Woodlawn well, High School graduate, I have to do but a little right. promotion we're there. and
1: I sat next to you, brother, and I think we, we all, we were, we were
2: morning.
1: You're right. I didn't know Kevin that well. I had an opportunity to talk to him a couple of
2: times. And he, he never missed your stuff, as you know. He loved the minor detail. Well, I was hard on it sometimes. Yeah. He said, did you read that? I said, no, no, I haven't read it yet. You need to read it.
1: You know? I, was, I, was, I, was, I asked him tough questions, but, you know, look, we had a, I, I think we had a good relationship. No doubt. And I, I remember the last time that I talked to him, and it was at the, the Montgomery County um, Democratic Luncheon that they had the Sunday before he passed away. And I remember Kevin walked up to me, and I just got married, Don. And my wife... He shakes my hand and he said, uh, you know, what they say, um, my people say muzzle Tov. Right. And I said, well, thank you. And he said, yeah. Um, he goes, why aren't you on your honeymoon? What are you doing? Right. I said, Kevin, we have a gubernatorial campaign. <laughs> he goes, man, you should be on your honeymoon. Yeah. He goes, forget all this. And it, we, we had a nice pleasant exchange. And I said, good luck. And, you know, I think you made a great choice with Valerie. Um, she's going to serve your ticket well. Keep Keep at it, and uh, thanks for coming to Montgomery County and, and, and just be, I said, you know, I, said, I told him, be well. And, uh, Don, did you have any idea, and nobody really does, but did you have any idea that he was overexerting himself? No. I mean, what, what was the cause? Well, like he,
0: his heart gave up.
2: But, and, and we're talking about a guy, I said it many, many times. Oh, oh my goodness. He was in great shape. Still, still tried, still tried to watch his weight religiously, still tried to get to the gym as often as he could. Um, he was, I called him, he was, he was the food police. We would kid him on the staff. If you would think about it, occasionally he'd say, all right, I'm going to break down today and I'm going to have that donut. And he would never say, you know how many calories are in that donut? I'd say, oh, for crying out loud, it's one donut, boss. I mean, this was a salad guy. When I look in the rear view mirror, I will say this. I don't think, and it doesn't mean that doctors were clear, say, look, stress could or couldn't be, you don't know, everybody's different. Fatigue could or couldn't be an issue, everybody's different. But I will tell you that I'm not sure the human body is meant to go at that pace for 18 months, two years. I mean, you're running a county, you're you're doing all the things required, and your time. He's, term. he's 60, 60 years old when he passed, right? That, uh, that sounds right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it yeah, sounds, sounds right. I right.
1: Mm-mm. I thought Kevin was fifty. No, no, he was at, at most or yeah. late forties. Yeah, was good for his age. Yeah. I never got the sense. No, that, that he
0: that never happened. complained
2: about himself to me. I mean, I, he may have to Jill. We've never talked about it, yeah, but I remember that moment you were at the funeral, and and boy, it carried me for the seven months that I was in office. It certainly carried me oh, I remember when Jill for the transition. Trinc- oh, that's what I mean when it, she.
1: It hit me, and, and I, I had tears rolling down. I don't think there was a dry eye. I mean, I'm saying that maybe a little bit. Hubby, no, not much. When Jill spoke, I looked at her and I said, this is a woman right. with incredible courage. I couldn't do what she did. If she, I lost my spouse, there's no. I don't know how I would well, be able to dig deep and find that strength to do what she did. And, her, and, and when her boys got up.
2: It was remarkable.
1: It, it, it was. And I think that day, and I, I remember talking to people when I on the way out. I said, you know what? Forget politics, forget everything. Today we're Marylanders, and we're here to remember somebody who spent most of his life in public service. Agree with him, disagree with him, he made Baltimore County a better place. And that's and what hit me, and I think these moments, and, and this death has definitely affected me i too many people around me close past. So I had a grandfather who passed away 10 years ago unexpectedly, died in the woods up in Western Maryland, and I didn't get to say goodbye. Don, did this change his death? I mean, when you, when you passed away, did you have one of those moments where you said, it, it could be my time at any time, and did you have a kind of an existential reaction to
2: it? Well, a, a, a couple of things. I'll answer that. We'll go back because people hear, hear you and me talking about Jill at that funeral. You remember the moment when she turns to Carson and Dylan at the end of her eulogy, and she simply says, boys. We're going to be okay. I can remember the entire synagogue that was filled almost like exhaling. Boys, we're going to be okay. And just like you said, you couldn't do it. My wife, I think at that moment, turns to me in the synagogue and she goes, just in case you're wondering, I could never do what Jill just did. And I think so many of us had that reaction because it was so caring and so heartfelt. And that carried me, that we're going to be okay. You ask about did it? how did it affect me and the others on his team. I think, without being overly dramatic, I think it does make you recalculate what's important. And what I mean by that is, and it's, it's a real challenge, not only for folks in public life, but for everybody who's trying to keep up in this rat race. I've always liked to think that if I have to put something on the calendar and I have a conflict at night between event A and event B, I always like to think that I would evaluate it and say, should I go in the middle of the night and I look back, which of these two events do I really think I should have attended, I should have gone to? So I've got, you know, my my son's got a basketball game. Tonight, and that's important. And he's starting for the first time, versus some community meeting. Well, if I'm not here tomorrow, what do I want to do? Why I want to go to my son's basketball game. So I think, I think without being over melodramatic, I guess is the word. I think the message to all of us and to everyone is that, you know, John Harbaugh always talks about faith, faith and family, faith and family, and I think. I think that's right. I mean, I think it's you, you just, again, reprioritize and we not jokingly, we'd say, let's just go hug our loved ones, hug your kids. You know, you have two children and let's just always try to remember that life is short, unpredictable and try to make sure when we go to bed tonight. We feel good about today. When you, did you attend any of the sessions? I did. Yeah.
1: Was that a healing process? Where, 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 it where was. The- and laugh
2: together. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure
1: that that helped the, the morning process. But it was in the aftermath, Don. And death is a very complicated issue. Because when you're in the moment and you're going through the motions. And Kevin, I mean, it was quick. Kevin passed away on a Thursday and then he was laid to rest on a Friday. Right,
2: and it, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, and, I, and that's, of course, being part of the Jewish religion. Mm-hmm. You have that moment where, in maybe three weeks or a month or even a week later, where you're sitting just by yourself, completely alone, and then all of a sudden, the gravity of the situation.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll, it, it, I absolutely did. It was. It was months later, and it was interesting because you know I had had. Moments off and on, but I hadn't had what you described, where you just sit and let it all out. Can't explain why. It was the, I was actually a minute or two late, and I, my, my reputation was... Guys never late i mean i have a I have a crazy thing about about being time. on time i, yeah, I time oh, I have a crazy thing about <laughs> being on time the uh the, the the detectives who just took such great care of me, they joke they say, well this is a little bit of an adjustment because you are an on time guy, so reputation for not,
0: always
2: not not always on time <laughs> right right not not necessarily martin o'Malley bad, but not not always on cool. time cool. right right budget. right Bill Clinton yeah. and martin o'Malley hold the record, yeah. i guess yeah. so it was, and I can't explain why it was. It was the last time that I was going to be lighting the county Christmas tree right around Thanksgiving in November. Kevin had done it every year. Um, I was in the office by myself. Uh, people had been around, and many staff go down to downtown Towson. For the Christmas tree lighting. It's a wonderful event. Children and singing. It's just what you would expect from a holiday event. And they said, hey, why don't you come on down? I th- they were probably smarter than I was. They said, a, c- a couple of us are going to go get a drink before the ceremony. Why don't you come with us? And they probably were thinking, get Don out of here. And I said, well, I've got a couple more things to do. I'm fine. You all go on down. I'll, I'll be down in a minute or two. And I got up after they left. And it was time to go, and I had a picture of Kevin and me on on my desk, and I lost it. And it's funny, I I just, I have no idea what it was about that event, because I'd been to other events that Kevin had attended, or maybe it was the fact that I too was leaving, it was the end, so that our error together, because literally it was probably another week, and Johnny was going to be inaugurated. So it may have been just the culmination. I would never have predicted it, but it's an interesting question. And I can remember uh, getting home that night and telling my wife, I said, I've got to tell you what happened. I said it was, and she, her comment, is, as wives would do, or husbands would do back, she said, oh, I'm, I'm glad. She said, I've been worried that you hadn't done that. Yeah. So I'm glad you did. So that was your moment.
1: That was my moment. Soon after. No, no. How is that, how did that process this go is it's
2: actually it's, <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting as well. No, I did not. I, I'd explain the the process that in Baltimore County, upon the passing of a county executive, the charter very clearly outlines that the county administrative officer becomes interim county executive okay. until the county council acts, and the county council picks the successor to complete the term. Did you ever get No, well, I'm not the administrative officer. So the No, the interim did not. That was a gentleman by the name of Fred Homan. That's right. Okay. Fred, Fred, I was the chief of staff. Fred was the administrative okay. officer. Okay. So the administrative officer becomes the interim county executive until the council takes action. So, um, you know, Fred, um, Fred and I had worked together for years as well. Our offices were next to one another. So we're talking, I'm saying, you know, Fred knows how to – make the you know makes how to make trains run on time so i'm continuing to do what i do and it's not very long it's probably 10 days when the the council if you remember was was not going to get any public input and it, it was interesting and and some controversy grew up around whether they should get public input or they shouldn't. Again, we weren't involved in that in any way. Whatever they wanted to do was fine. It was council option. So after there's sort of a dust-up over whether they should, they decide to have a public hearing. Well, interestingly enough, I had scheduled a few days out of town down at Ken Island um, right at this time, months before any of this, thinking that it would be a perfect time that uh, kevin 's uh, budget would be complete uh, before we began to run full bore again to the primary we 'd all take a little breather so i was I was out of town playing golf, not even thinking playing it was great and 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 not even thinking about the public hearing and I'm, I'm in a restaurant i'll, I'll give them a, a promotion down there on cant Island, a restaurant called the narrows and and I shouldn't have had my phone. My wife hates it. i take my phone with me. But we're with two other couples. And I get a text from someone. And it says, are you here? And my crazy brain goes, in the narrows? I think they're sitting in the narrows somewhere. I, that's right. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going, I put, in the narrows, question mark? And she, the person goes, no, at the public hearing about the next county executive. I said, no, I'm at Ken Island playing golf. And she goes, well, you may be prepared when you get back. There's a, a fair amount of people who in this testimony are saying that you should be the county executive. And I go, so I, I look down and said, oh, okay. So um, I, 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 <laughs> I, said, I said to my wife, well, this is interesting. I said, uh, evidently, there's some folks who, it's very kind of them, who think that I would be a good choice to complete Kevin's term. And then from that point... It became pretty straightforward. Um, I, I didn't really talk to any council members. The, the council chair, Tom Quirk, who's from Catonsville, uh, we had had a really good relationship over the years. He had called me and said, I think there's some sentiment among the council that you do this. Um, would you be willing? And I said, Tom, I yeah, I'll do whatever you... I'd be honored, but it's up to you all to decide. There, at that point, there were some interplay in the council whether a council member should become uh, the county executive and I said look here's the bottom line we've got seven months to go Um, whatever you all think is fit if you think it should be a council member if you think Fred should remain all those are viable choices if you would like me to do it I'd be humbled to do it Um, and so then you, you know rough I guess it was the night before I think it was like May 23rd or whatever the d- the date was, right? I think it was May 23rd. Council chair calls me and he says, Don, I, th- I think it's it's going to be you. Well, this is kind of a funny story as well. So th- it was the same morning they voted on their budget. So I'm up there to watch them approve Kevin's last budget. I had turned my phone off. Yeah. So I'm sitting out in the, uh, in-, in the gallery and I'm just talking with reporters who are there or members of the public. I'm just chit-chatting, which I'm wont to do. And all of a sudden, and the meeting's running over. If you remember, Pam Wood keeps – Pam's – I kid her. She keeps tweeting. doing live tweet. Great, count, count, ca- great reporter. P- yeah. Pam's tweeting, council's still in the back, not come out. It's 10.05. Council's still in the back. It's 10.08. And then – right. And then um, rumor has it they're uh, talking about who's going to be the county executive. Right. And all of a sudden, I see Vicky Allman coming down the aisle. And Vicky's like – putting her hands up, putting both hands up, like, what are you doing? And she said, Don, you're not answering any text or any phone calls. I said, Oh, I'm sorry, Vicky. I turned my phone off because I didn't want to interrupt <laughs> your budget. She said, Well, we would like you to come in the back. So at that point, Vicky says, Please come in the back. And then I think Pam tweets, and now it's 8.0 or it's it's now it's 10 14 and council just Summoned <laughs> in the back, it was like it was like a running play-by-play. So I go in the back, and they basically said we would we would like you to uh, assume this responsibility. And uh, from that moment on, began the, the six and a half, seven months to complete the term. What's Kevin? What's
1: Kevin? See as oh boy! And if you look, it's a big question. Several, but several, what, yeah. What, what do you believe is the
2: legacy that he has left behind yeah. in his community? Yeah. Well, let's start with. Let's start with school construction. When Kevin took office, you know this well, you've covered it. Uh, again, I, I'm gonna speak to, hello, hello, Mr. Controller. Uh, but as we all know that when Kevin took office, there were 90 schools without air conditioning. There were, we had this incredible dilemma of rising enrollment and uh, deteriorating buildings. We didn't have enough seats. So Kevin embarks upon a very aggressive school construction schedule. Ryan, I I think for years, and there'll be other legacies that I want to talk about, but I need to focus on this one. I think it will be unmatched. I mean, when you look at seven and a half years later, pretty much every one of the 90 schools was air conditioned, with the two or three exceptions we know about, Delaney, Lansdowne. Uh, Everyone else had a program, is under construction, they were all taken care of. Kevin funded or built 16 brand new schools, 12 brand new additions. It's a remarkable, it's a $1.6 billion schools for our future program. Now the reality of that, since we forward funded a lot of the state's money, and that money has not yet been coming back, and of course we know the battle, you covered it, for increasing school construction aid, in the legislature, that bill is now coming due. County Executive Ashevsky's had to make some tough decisions. I think we knew that bill was going to come due. Uh, oh, I think so. I think Johnny's done a. I, I uh, didn't support anybody in the primary. Um, yeah, yeah, couldn't do that, but then supported him aggressively. In, in the general, I think, and I think the key thing there was generational change. I think there are a number of ways to look at that race. But listen, I say up front to folks, and I chaired Johnny's budget commission. He asked me to chair it as soon as he was elected. Um, I think if Kevin Kamenetz were sitting here, he'd say, look, we, we, left, jo- we left Johnny a, a bit of a financial mess. And w- we would do it again because those kids were in untenable situations. And we made a decision, Kevin Kamenetz made a decision that we're going to get this done. We're going to get these school construction programs done. And I recognize that my successor is going to have to figure it out. But if I have to balance the fact that do I want my successor to have to deal with some tough challenges versus I've got to get these kids into schools that are 21st century worthy I think we would do it again. But there's no doubt if anybody out there thinks that we did not leave Johnny a a bit of a challenge that he's now addressing, I think uh, in in the right way, we did. So I think school construction. The other thing I think you can't talk to Kevin Kamenetz without talking about his commitment to diversity and his belief that uh, two things, his commitment to the city belief in diversity and his belief that we're all in this together. Uh, Kevin, I think, will forever be known for his response to the city riots after Freddie Gray. I remember very, very vividly it was around Mother's Day. Kevin said, I want to go out. Let's go out and do some social media videos telling people to get back to the city. We can't be afraid to go to the city. So we went out to the courthouse gardens. Kevin did a couple of videos saying, look. I love Baltimore City. My kids and Jill and I, we love the zoo. Get down to the zoo. We love the Orioles. Go down and see an Orioles game. They've got great restaurants. Come on, Baltimore County folks. Get back to the city. And that resonated. The other thing was that we helped with police response to those riots. And the city came to us wanting to know how much we owed. And uh, I, I think the bill was... A couple hundred million, not a couple hundred million, whatever it was. It couldn't have been a couple hundred million, whatever it was. Maybe it was twenty-three million. I don't remember the exact number now, but I can remember Kevin standing up saying, "No, no, we're waiving that. We're we're not charging the city. That's what not what neighbors do. Neighbors give each other a helping hand. Oh, by some, sure, by some, and they just didn't share his affinity for the city. They didn't see his." connection. They didn't they didn't understand as he did that Baltimore City is the heartbeat of the region. And then that got to his final legacy I think is is the way he fought and fought for the immigrant community. Trump, Trump the election of Donald Trump like so many other people just just made him insane. I mean he he couldn't understand how this sort of anti immigrant. Again, he was the son of an immigrant. He talked about, he talked He's about his dad fleeing, fleeing. Yeah, Doctor K's pharmacy. Talked about his dad fleeing czarist Russia. Uh, Kevin, at his core, he we used to uh, probably the only elected official ever to quote Hubert Humphrey all of the time. Uh, for those of you listening, you have no idea who Hubert Humphrey is. Google Hubert Humphrey. But Humphrey had this quote. I'll paraphrase it. Basically, that. The measure of a government is what it does to protect the most vulnerable among us. And Kevin Kamenetz, I mean, he was a Bobby Kennedy, a Hubert Humphrey. And he, that's why when he issued that executive order, I mean, he, he did several things. He, he issued the executive order saying that we're not going to use our police department as immigration officials again. I I, I always always appreciate the Sun Paper when they would say, people would say, oh, Kamenitz is just grandstanding. And the Sun Paper would say, yeah, right. Because Kamenitz fought for affordable housing and fought for immigrants, that somehow that was popular in Baltimore County? Not quite. Kevin Kamenitz took those courageous stands because they were the right thing to do. So I I think.
1: And I saw, Don, the videos that were just released after a year, his campaign videos.
2: Funny too. Right. Uh, that was the goal. He,
1: because Kevin, right. And, and, and Kevin had a very serious demeanor. And they lightened him up a little bit. And the people got to know him. They knew that, look, he was an intense guy. And he could make a point And he had no issues going and, and putting out a counter to Governor Hogan. But I will tell you that he had a much softer side that I don't think oh, no doubt got to see. And even in his videos, he had this. It, it, it was talk, one he talked about, which I liked, about going up against a bully. Right. I always felt like Kevin, he, he didn't like bullies. No, he, he didn't. He said a bully, and he said, look, I'm gonna, as governor, I'm going to work to protect the people who are vulnerable in our right. society, and he even mentioned Kazir Q- Khan, who, you know, his, right. his son, you know, Muslim, and whatnot. Um and, and Who what, came I'm in and did a fundraiser for yeah, the county executive. And, and, you know, what Trump said at the you know, what right. happened at the at the Democratic Convention in 2016 was very important. Where you know he held up his constitution, that was a moment. That was a real historical moment that we all watched and observed. And we felt unified by that. And I saw Kevin as somebody who really put the Nardi communities out front. And, look, I'm sure, um, Looking back on his legacy, there's there's good, there's not so good, and there's decisions that I'm sure you probably got into his ear about. That said, Kevin, you should go in this direction. And yeah, your your battles with him, not battles, but rather oh no, battles is a is fair word. Fair word. As a chief of staff, you have the job to be brutally I'll, honest with him well, at, at all costs.
2: Let me let me tell you because this will this will get to you. This is one of my favorite. Kevin's stories and I think it speaks to what he liked and what he didn't like I used to joke Kevin could be really abrupt with people and occasionally he would talk about how he right oh my goodness
1: May's Chapel it's it's my turn to talk. and your time to listen. Yeah. And look, they use that video over and over. <laughs> and it's
2: become a
0: YouTube. Consumer. Oh, it would have been. It would have
2: <laughs> been the highlight of the game. That. you know. The bottom line is, here's what happened. That's a good question. I think he would have preferred. I need to tell you that about 30 seconds before that, as we're walking up, I'm saying to him, okay, boss, there's a lot of people here screaming and shouting. They don't want this school. It was a silly argument. We're putting a brand-new state-of-the-art school on land that's owned by the Board of Education for a school. It was The whole thing was silly. So that, right away, you never like silly or stupid. So the whole thing didn't make any sense to him. But then what really pushed his buttons, they had little children there who were going to go to that school and these people started to shout down those kids. And that's when I knew, cause he said, I've got this, I've been through this a lot and I could see his body language. And I thought, "Uh Oh, he's thinking of his own kids. And that's what happened. But you know, the thing about Kevin, he never kept a grudge. I, one of his aides one time, one of his long-term aides was talking to a council person who was offended by something Kevin said. And She said to this council person, she said, let me tell you about the county executive when he was a councilman and the gentleman sitting to his right, which was me, who was working for Jim Smith at the time. She said, I don't even remember the issue. But Don was up trying to get Kevin, trying to communicate something from Jim Smith that Kevin didn't want to do. And they were so loud screaming at each other it was embarrassing you could hear them all the way up and down the hall said it was so bad I went in and she's this true story said I went in and I looked at both of them and I put my finger in both their faces and I said you're both making fools of yourself now shut up act like adults they can hear you all the way outside and she said but here's what you need to know two and a half minutes later they walk out of Kevin's office and they're laughing about something else and she said that was gone that moment, and that was that captures Kevin Kamenetz. He wanted to give it to you. I can remember one day he said to me when someone was upset with him, he said, "Why we used to talk like that all the time at our dinner table? We used to scream and shout. Doesn't everybody?" And I'd say to him, "No, that's not the way everybody." So for him, he was always like, "Doesn't everybody talk like that at the dinner table?" But that's what made him so endearing. I mean, and he just cared so much i mean he really did and i mean not only about the government god you talk about a guy that loved his wife and cared about him. and those boys i mean my goodness he cared so much about those boys so i think he has this great legacy both on the public side and on the personal side you know he was a great dad and he just uh, he just left us far too soon
1: yeah and what's your legacy um, seven months <laughs> and if you kept the baltimore county stable during this tragedy and Moving, and that was your job. Did you see did you see yourself ever in a time that you're in Kevin's shadow, or you're like, oh man, how am I going to be able to, to, to do what Kevin did? Or did you say, Look, I'm, I'm going to complete the job yeah. to and carry it the term, and then that's going to be it? I'm not running for anything. Well, that was true. Yeah. Have, and you ever, have you ever thought about running?
0: Now, you know, it's funny. As people ask you to run, oh,
2: on many, many, many occasions, um, it's, I'll tell you straight up why it's never appealed to me. I've been in the room when candidate after candidate is working those phones to raise money. And every one of them hates it. Every one of them listening right now goes, Don, you're so right. I hate it. And I thought, I just don't have the stomach to sit and call and do that. I'd much rather be... In the room, as we talked about, being part. I love policy. I like seeing government work. So when you say my legacy, listen, I hope that my legacy is that I helped the county heal, that I took to heart what Jill said, that we're going to be okay. I came away inspired in so many ways by county citizens and county employees. Uh, I've told the story a number of times. I'm driving I'm in this funeral procession, procession, procession for Amy Caprio. The tech detective is is driving me, and there are hundreds, if not thousands, but certainly hundreds of cars lining the beltway. People standing on all of the overpasses, saying, "We love you, Amy. We love you. Thank you for your service." And the detective looks at me, and it, it gave me chills. The detective looks at me and he goes, you know what, boss? We don't always know it, but they still do love us. And I thought, wow, those are the times we live in that it, it resonated with a police officer. It took a police officer passing away to remind our officers that the public still does love them. It doesn't mean that we support excesses and that occasionally police officers don't make a mistake. But at its core, where the rubber meets the road... The public knows that these police officers risk their lives each and every day. And when I looked at the, the response of the Department of Public Works employees who responded to the floods in, in, at the same time, you know, we had a police officer killed, we had floods. It was all of this happening in Baltimore County. Yet our communities came together. Our employees came together. We got some big stuff done at trade points. So I, I hope when people look back at those seven months, they'll say, you know, Don was a, a, a steady hand, and he wasn't afraid to take a stand and speak out. Uh, you know, I had, I had. There were times when I had to speak out again about our relationship with Baltimore City, and talk about that we're all in this together. When you know, occasionally a council member would want to go down a, a different path. So it was, it was very, very meaningful. Um, the best advice you you asked. Did you, you ever think about how do I do this? be very thankful to each and every of the county executives. I, they were all kind enough, uh, from Ted Venetulis to Don Hutchinson to Jim Smith to Dennis Rasmussen to Dutch Rupersberger. They were all kind enough to meet with me within the first week to 10 days that I was appointed, and each and every one of them. They said it differently, but their message was this. Don, be the county executive. I actually spoke to Mayor Jack Young the other night, and I shared this advice with him. See, in a similar role. Got there in a different way, but in a similar role. And I said, you, you, you know, Mayor, what Dutch and all the others said to me was, be the county executive from day one. Don't think of yourself as a placeholder. We've got some activity going on at Frederick Road. Right, right. We're right next to the fire station in downtown Caitinsville. <laughs> but they said, don't think of yourself as a placeholder. Be the county executive. So, you know, I tried to do that. It was... It was incredibly fulfilling. People were wonderful to me uh, it they embraced me, so it was a group effort. Whatever we did in Baltimore County over those seven months, we did together
1: Don, the, the very last moment you're walking out of Europe, you're mm. You know, be in this office. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. that's a wonderful
2: question. I've thought about it a lot. I went out uh, because my my family uh, thinks ahead. We actually went out, my children, my grandchildren, um, my wife, and they wanted to do something big that night. And was, so we got to do something. Dad, it's your last day. It was that Monday, December 3rd, whatever it was. and uh, And we just came to... You know, to a restaurant here in Catons. so I said, "Nah, let's just do what we do. You know, we let's just go out as a family and you know have a beer and a burger and and enjoy ourselves." I think I walked out grateful. I wasn't sad. I'm going to miss the people. I tell you, who you really miss, and my my grandchildren miss them terribly. You miss the detectives that are with you each and every day. These are such great people, and they become. Part of your family. They really become part of your family. And uh, as I said, your family gets to know them. Your grandchildren get to know them. You know, Mr. Paul, Mr. Bobby. I mean, they just love them. And uh, it was a great team. So you miss the people. But I walked out. sad for my friend Kevin Kamenetz, but grateful that somehow I ended up in this position to be at least a footnote in in Baltimore County history and to, to look back and say... Oh, yeah, I think we did okay.
1: Finally, let's plug your podcast. Uh, Baltimore sure. You guys are Baltimore some, positive. Bal- I'm sorry, Baltimore That's okay. Positive. You are starting something new and important that is making its way around the state. And you created a podcast, a, a forum, a discussion where it's very similar to this, where you're showing up and meeting with elected officials right. and just having these discussions. What do you want to gain with your podcast?
2: Yeah, What. What. what – and what I'm already seeing themes develop. Um, if again, thank you for doing that. And again, I encourage everybody to tell your friends to uh, subscribe to a minor detail. And hope you'll also hope you will also put Baltimore Positive uh, on your podcast list. You can get it again wherever you get your podcast. You can also get it at BaltimorePositive.com. Uh, what we're trying to do is to reinforce this idea that this is a wonderful city. I mean, it's an incredible city. Hospitals, uh, arts and cultural institutions, universities, um, great sports teams. It's, it's uh, wonderful restaurants, beautiful interharbor, incredible port, all of these resources. And it's a city with challenges, absolutely. But there are other cities that are making great turnarounds, that don't have the resources that we have. So we're trying to bring together a variety of folks, some in public life, some in not. One of the things we want to do is really talk to, to people who people might not know, who are making a real difference each and every day in the city. But so far, we've had we've had Congressman Rupersberger on. We've had uh, Dr. Malia Cromer, the, uh, the guru of public opinion research here in the state from Goucher College. We had... Uh, Senator Barbara Mikulski, uh, her podcast will go up next week when people, oh my goodness, when they hear the senator, you're just, you're going to, oh man, you're going to shake your head. She is, she is just terrific. But what's coming out are these themes of getting really talented people to surround the mayor, setting clear targets, holding people accountable. And the other theme that I'm hearing over and over, Ryan, is We've got these great neighborhoods. Don't just focus on the inner core of Baltimore. Don't just focus on the Harbor and Harbor East and Canton. We know those are are thriving and growing and, and even Port Covington, which is a wonderful thing. But let's get out to the neighborhoods as well. Let's talk to people. Find out what they want. So we're excited about Baltimore Positive, and I thank you for the opportunity to mention it.
1: Time and hopefully many more. Oh, I'd love to. I, I look forward to, to listening, and especially to this Mikulski. I, I, it's, it's amazing. Senator Barb is one of those iconic Marylanders, and I can't wait to hear what she has to say about the city. And, uh, you
2: know, she paints a blueprint. I'll tell you, you will not be disappointed. I mean, it's a, as I called, I said to Nestor, we just had a master class in governance. So, right, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Don, thank you,
1: and uh, take it easy.
2: Thank you.